Welcome to the Mission Driven Podcast, a show designed to empower, educate, and encourage you to stay focused and committed to your mission. I'm your host, AC Cristales. Let's get ready to roll. Thank you so much for joining me on Mission Driven with AC Cristales. For this episode, I have a special interview with a special guest, Ian Humphrey. Guys, you're going to love this. Check it out. All right. Welcome to Mission Driven with AC Cristales. Today, I have the honor of interviewing the general manager of a successful multi-million dollar metal fabrication company and a speaker and author who has made it his goal to motivate, inspire and help others learn to see obstacles as an opportunity and achieve the success which we all deserve. Without further ado, allow me to introduce to you Ian Humphrey. How's it going, man? Hey, not too, not too bad, my man. Thank you for Thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate it. No, I appreciate you uh, just being willing to to be a part of the show, man. I was just thinking about this as I was preparing for the show, and I was thinking, man, we met like on Twitter. Remember you you hit me up? I think you saw uh, one of my Hobie videos from like 2013, yeah. I think, man, and you yeah, hit me man, up. So I be I be creeping, you know. I like to see other people. <laughs> I like to see other people doing things, and uh, I was inspired by your work, man. Oh, uh, you man. know, I was. No, I appreciate that, man. But yeah, and now that I think about it, 2013, it's already been seven years, man. So we've right. been on this grind. We've been on this grind for a long time, brother, because I know you're doing your thing and and I'm doing my thing. So it's just, it's it's good that we finally get this chance to connect and and for you to just share your heart, man, with, with people. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to interview you, man, because I know you got a powerful story. You know, I've heard some of your um, your keynotes and stuff, and obviously I follow you on on Instagram and Twitter myself. So I'm, I'm creeping too, brother. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Nothing wrong with that. We learn iron sharpens iron. No doubt. No yeah. doubt. All right, man. So before we start the interview, I'm just going to I want to just break the ice a little bit and I want to put you on the hot seat real quick, man. So for 30 seconds, I'm going to ask you 30 seconds worth of questions and you just give me, you know, whatever answer you got. So you ready? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So let me go ahead and get the timer. Let me go ahead and start it. All right. Here is the first question. Kobe or LeBron? Kobe. Favorite movie? Ooh, life. Best concert you've ever been to? Earth, Wind, and Fire. All right. One place you want to travel to? Uh, Seashells. Okay. Favorite musical act? It can be a group or solo. Hmm. I'd have to say B.B. King. All right. Pizza or tacos? Tacos. All right, man. Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. There you go. All right, brother. Thank you so much for that. All right, man. So why don't you just start by just telling the people a little bit about yourself, man. Give them a little bit about your family, your background information, whatever you feel like you want to share, man. Okay. And you, uh, you know, you interrupt whenever, uh, you know, again, you know, you introduced me. I'm Ian Humphrey. I'm a general manager of a successful business here in Colorado. Uh, and I'm also a Speaker, I speak to corporations, companies, nonprofits, uh, schools. Schools is where I got my start. I'm the father of four, three daughters in college, and a 15-year-old son. I've been married for 20 years, and I live here in in Colorado. All right, man. So you, what else you need? A little bit more? No, nah, you're good. So, how, how are your kids? You know, doing throughout all this? You know, uh, pandemic, man. Are, are they are they back at home with you? You know, we've got one daughter's in D.C. Okay. I've got a daughter here in Colorado. Well, I have two daughters here in Colorado. One who is back at home 
one that's living on campus at a local college and our middle daughter is in Washington, DC. And she will be, she'll be coming home because she, she graduates, she graduates here or she's supposed to graduate next week, but of course that's canceled. And then she's scheduled to start at UCLA in August. Awesome. So what's going to happen is she'll come back home and they've moved all those classes for hers for a PhD program. They moved it online. So it'll start online and then it'll move to campus at some point. Our 15 year old, he's at home, of course, Mm -hmm. his classes are online, you know, so he's, you know, he's a little bum, but everybody's making the most out of it. My wife is a school counselor. Okay. Awesome. So she's also working from home and trying to counsel kids and, and keep things moving and finish her, her year strong as well. But overall, I got to tell you, it's been a, been a blessing. You know, it's really forced us to slow down for sure and really get in touch with, with, with our family and not be on the grind all the time, not be ripping and running. And it's given me a sense of appreciation, but, but I also say that to say this understanding that some people are really struggling. Some people have lost their jobs. So I I don't want to make, I don't want to make light or take anything away from that. I've just been blessed. Uh, That's all I can say. No doubt, man. And it's all about perspective too. And obviously, uh, you know, when, when we have the ability, obviously I'm an education man and I teach at a community college in, in here in Dallas. And obviously I'm, I'm still getting paid because everything's transitioned online. But like you said, man, there are people who who are struggling right now, man, because they've lost their job and they're kind of wondering, OK, when is the next, you know, um, paycheck going to come or where is it going to come from? So it's, it's it's about perspective, though. You know, that's that's one of the things that I do. You know, we can always complain about something. But like you said, you know, this this time has given us the ability to just kind of just just relax, man, chill, reset. You know, I heard a heard a speaker say that. Right. This is the time of reset. So uh that's good, man. So is your wife in uh, middle school or high school? We're, we're She's in middle school. Okay, uh, very good. <laughs> so, one of the most challenging, at least in my opinion. No, it is, it is. <laughs> That's good. How long has she been doing that? Uh, you know, she got her master's degree. She's actually been doing it for about seven years. Okay. But she transitioned from one job in the same school once she got her master's degree. And then she accepted the position officially. But, you know, she was already doing it. No doubt. She was just working and going to school at the, at the same time. Well, know? congratulations. You said 20 years of marriage, right? Yeah, man. Just right. did that. Just celebrate that last August. So congratulations, man. Thanks. That's good. Thanks. There you go. You're hitting that, you're going to hit that 25 here. That silver, right? That's what they call it. The, the silver, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. It's been, uh, you know, it's, you know, from my background, I'm somebody who never really grew up seeing a lot of successful marriages. And not maybe not even necessarily believing that I would ever get married, but you know, once you meet, once you meet the person that kind of completes you, and you know, everything else just falls into place. There you, you know? go. I like that, man. So, it, hey, did you did you go to that Earth, Wind, and Fire concert with her? Absolutely. She there got you go. Me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very good. So like, man, you're talking like, man, she she was the one, right? And you knew, and so I'm like, hey, he must have taken her to that Earth, Wind, and Fire concert, right? No doubt. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> so you you say you're in Colorado right now, but you're not originally from Colorado, right? I was looking at your bio. You 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 were California, South Central LA, right? Yeah, originally born in South Central LA. You know, right up the street from from USC. Okay. So my daughter's going to UCLA, so that kind of hurt my heart, you know, <laughs> being, being from South Central. We call USC University of South Central. Okay, I didn't know that. Cool, cool. But yeah, that's where uh, that's where I'm from, man. Born and raised, uh, moved out here to Colorado uh, 
after, and that's part of my story, but after getting out of prison okay. some time ago. All right, very good. Well, let's let's go ahead. Before we get into that, as you talk about your journey, man, let's uh, I'm curious and I'm sure the listeners out there are curious as well. What led you? What are some things that led you to become a motivational speaker? You know, it, it was completely uh, it was completely by accident, to be honest. You know, as I kind of touched on a little bit, you know, when I was 19, I was sentenced to 15 years in prison. And and I, I'm going to tell you something. You know, nothing gets your attention like like being shackled in, in a courtroom and hearing a judge say, uh, we sentenced you to 15 years in prison for armed robbery and, and assault with a deadly weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can tell you also sitting in that courtroom, you know, I knew I had made a mistake and, and, and I owned it. But it was while I was sitting in that courtroom that I, I made a promise or I made a silent promise to myself and to my victim uh, and his daughter. You know, when when my victim, I assaulted someone, mm-hmm. you know, during during this robbery and his daughter was allowed to give a an impact statement. OK, I don't know if you're familiar with, the, you know, when someone's yeah, yeah. a victim of a crime, that's mm-hmm. what they, you know, they're allowed to give a victim statement. And his daughter, she was about I, I'd have to guess she was no more than 10 years old. Uh, she had a lot more courage than I had because mm-hmm. she got up on that that witness stand and she looks at me and she says, she says, you took my Superman away from me. Wow. And I didn't, you know, the, he, my victim lived, mm-hmm. but that hit me in my heart because I understood what she was saying. As someone who grew up without a father, I wish I had someone to look up to. Mm-hmm. I knocked her father off of that pedestal, hopefully only temporary. Hopefully it was only temporary, but that's something that I did. And sitting in that courtroom, I made a promise. I said, you know, if, if I'm able to overcome this, if I'm able to make it through this and get out of prison and achieve any level of success uh, based on my own standards, I, I said, I'm, I'm going to give back and I'm going to do something to continue to pay this, to pay for this. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like I said, I was released a long time ago and I was, I did my time on in prison and I did, I did four years, but I also did some time on parole. Mm-hmm. So I paid my debt. I didn't know anyone, anything, but I felt like I still owed. I still, I, I, in my heart, I felt like I, I had to repay that promise that I made. Mm-hmm. So I started off volunteering in, in high schools, mentoring young men. And, you know, once a week I'd go to this school for a couple hours and work with these young men and try to help them to become better and set goals. And they asked me to speak at a graduation Okay, nice. for these young men, yeah. for these young men. And I got to tell you, AC, uh, people know something about me and I, I don't like to speak a lot. I don't speak, you know, I get a little nervous. I used to anyway. Mm-hmm. So I thought about what I was going to say to these young men and they gave me about a half hour to speak. I was so nervous. I, I spoke for about 10 minutes, maybe if that. And mm-hmm. I, I, I thought, you know, I was just so nervous, Yeah, you know. But so after that, someone came up to me and they started talking to me about speaking. And that was the start. Okay. So even though, even though I had a fear of speaking, I understood after that day that, that I could have a a larger impact and be able to reach more people if I started, or if I were willing to share my story, share what I had learned 
on a larger platform. So that's really what that's really what started it for me. It was almost completely, really, to be honest, it was completely. I stumbled into it. Yeah, for sure. And it's uh, you know I was smiling as you were saying that because that's kind of how it happened for me. So I was. I was an assistant principal. I was 24, 24 at the time, you know, my first year as an assistant principal. And they they asked me to speak to um, the high school seniors um, at like a college fair or whatever. First time, man, first time speaking like in a while, man, because I had done some, you know, some speaking when I was 14, 15 years old. Um, but this was the first time in a while. And, and like you said, the nerves were there, obviously. But after I, I you know, I did my thing and, and got off, this lady came up to me and said, hey, you need to charge to speak. So there's like, okay, so I can do this as a living and I can, you know, I can actually, you know, there's, there's a message that I have. So I feel you, man, you, I don't think, you know, any speaker, any successful speaker just goes in this with the mind that I'm going to be a motivational speaker. I think there's somebody else who sees that potential and says, Hey, you know, you can go, you can go now, you can go out there and get it, you know, you can go out there and do it. So that's pretty cool, man. And if I can add to that, you know, you let me know, cut me off. No, nah, you're sure. good. You're good, brother. But, you know, I just want to add to that, you know, I never knew professional speak. I didn't know that people would get could get paid. Like you said, people mm-hmm. will pay you to to speak. I didn't know that. And of course, that wasn't my that wasn't my intent. And when I first started, you know, I felt I, something. My conscience felt bad, you know, accepting a chat to speak and do something that I had done for two years for free. Mm-hmm. However, for anyone out there who 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 had, who feels that way or struggles with that, just know and understand that when people find value in what you do, they will compensate you accordingly. And there should be, you should not feel guilty about that. That's validation. I could speak every day. So could you AC for free. Yeah. But when someone calls and says, Hey, I'm going to write you a check because I feel that what you have to say is valuable, that that's validation. No doubt. And, and it said, and it says a lot. And so it's, it's, you know, so we, we do have value in our story and we should never feel bad or feel guilty about that. So, and not only that, Ian, man, just to piggyback off that, you know, well, we, we, we would speak for free, right. But we're getting paid for the value. We're getting paid for the preparation, you know, because you don't go out there and just, you know, wing it, you, you prepare, you know, you write, you, you do all everything that you do to prepare to give your speech, right, to to work the nerves off, to make sure that you're ready, to make sure that your inflection is right, to make sure, you know, so that's what you're getting paid for, that preparation to know, hey, that when I come, when I bring it, I'm bringing you value. I'm not just going up there and just kind of just speaking off the top of my head. So definitely, man, I'm with you. And I know it's the same way for you. And I'm glad you, you know, this is not probably not why we got on here, but <laughs> But I think it's, it's important that people that want to become speakers, that they understand. I get a lot of people that call me and say, hey, I want to do what you do, you know, I, I, you know but they see, the, they see the one hour. Yeah. But when I tell them, and this is what has happened almost every time, when I talk about the, the 60 hours or whatever that goes into a one hour speech, yeah. it, it separates, it creates a lot of separation and it makes people really decide is this really what i want to do is the behind the scenes work you're right that that you're getting paid for so yeah i appreciate you bringing that up yeah but you know it works it works for not just the speaker it works for anything that you want to accomplish man you know what i've noticed and i was thinking about that this morning so 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 pretty so cool that you know we're actually you know going into this that people want lifetime results with like one week's effort you know what i'm saying Everything that you're accomplishing, they want, oh, I want that right now. But man, don't you know it's taking years to get that? You know, so they want this lifetime result, lifetime experience 
with like one day effort or one hour effort or 30 minute yeah. effort. And that, and that's just not how life works, man. So doesn't work that way. That's right. So tell me, uh, tell me, tell me some things that you did. So you, you made that promise, you know, when, when you were listening to that impact statement. So how, what were some things that you did to transition to say, Hey, you know what, once I get out, you know, once I get out of this situation that I put myself in, what were some things that you did to help you? Because I know you didn't do it on your own. You know, there had to be, you know, some of the, you had to change, right? There had to be things where you're like, man, I can't do these same things. So what were some of the things that you did to help you change and live up to that promise? Well, you know, when I first, when, when those prison doors closed behind me for the first time, you know, I was angry uh, because, you know, I, growing up, I'd been sexually abused. I'd been, you know, I was in, in and out of foster homes where my foster mom locked me inside of a, of a closet. Uh, you know, I've got scars on my body. You can't see, I've got a third degree burn here that she put on my hand with an iron. My mom passed away when I was 11 years old. My father really, he was a career criminal. He died in prison. So by the time I got to that point, I had been repeatedly told you're stupid. You're gonna never mount to nothing. You're gonna be just like your daddy. So by the time I got to that point where I'm sitting in the courtroom, I hear this young lady and, and I make that promise. Then once I actually get to, once I, once I actually get to prison, I started, I, I started making excuses, you know, to be completely honest, mm -hmm. change doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, for sure. I started feeling sorry for myself and I started thinking, you know, this one, for one, this isn't even my fault. If people hadn't, told me I was stupid, I wouldn't be here. If my foster mom hadn't done what she did to me, I, I wouldn't be here. If my father had been had been around, I, I wouldn't be here. But then something happens where at some point, you've got to look yourself in the mirror if you really want to make a change. You got to own, you, you got to own and be responsible and hold yourself accountable for your own actions. And you're right, I, I didn't do it. I didn't do it on my own. I had, I had a lot of help. Mm -hmm. There was a teacher that worked in that prison and I don't know what it was about me and you're a teacher, man. Yeah. You know, so, so you may understand this better than I do, mm -hmm. but this teacher, every time he saw me in a prison, he, he would speak to me and he said, what's up there, Mr. Humphrey. Mm -hmm. You know, he, 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 he'd address me, Mr. Humphrey, even though I'm in prison, I'm feeling at the, I'm at the worst point in my life, but he's addressing me, Mr. Humphrey, he gave me that respect, even though I, I felt like I didn't deserve it. Mm -hmm. And being an educator, I know a lot of kids show up in your school and they don't feel like they deserve certain things. And I bet you, you, you see it on their face when you give them something that they've never had. For sure. Or they've never had before. And he began to kind of, he became kind of like a, a mentor for me. And something else for you is understand, with I didn't trust. Yeah. I, I, I didn't trust very well. I was 19 when I went to prison. So... Uh, after the things that had happened to me growing up, I didn't trust people, man. It's, mm -hmm. People rolled up on me and they were trying to do something for me. In my, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, what is it that you want from yeah, me? Exactly. So, so when this teacher, you know, he'd say something positive to me. And first thing I thought was, what do you want? Mm -hmm. Because no one is nice for no reason. But he continued, you know, I, I had built up this brick wall that I'm telling you, it, it could not be broken. But what he did over time is he chipped away at it. Yeah. He'd say something positive to me. He'd break it down a little bit. He said, "Hey, have you talked? Have you called home? How are you doing? Are you are you doing this? Are you doing that?" And slowly but surely, he he earned my trust. He he understood that in order to help me to change, I needed to trust him. No doubt. And he did that 
simply by whenever he said he was going to do something, he did it. He did it by, by being consistent. He did it. He, he took his time. Uh, you know, he asked questions, what I call the act strategy. He asked questions. He created a connection and he took the time. Yeah. That's what helped him to kind of penetrate that wall that I had built up around myself. And I can remember being in solitary confinement. I was in and out of solitary <clears throat> confinement my first year in prison, probably for that first year. I was in and out for breaking rules, uh, not really uh, adjusting very well. But Mr. Lyles, that was his teacher's name, he would always come down to my cell in solitary confinement and he would speak life into me. That's it, man. He, he helped me to understand that this is temporary. If you choose to make it temporary, yeah. you can see your way out of this. For sure. And, you know, last time I was sent to solitary confinement, I got into a fight, got my face busted up. He came down to my cell and he never, you know, it's not, people don't come into your cell very often when you're in solitary confinement. And so uh, I often say that when I speak to educators, I say, when something's not working, we got to switch up our strategy. Sometimes, you know, if we want to reach a certain student, I, and I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but the last time he did something different and he came into my cell in solitary confinement and he said a lot of things I don't remember yeah. to this day, but there are certain things that people speak into us that we never, ever forget. Mm -hmm. And one thing he said to me is he said, Mr. Humphrey, he said, prison doesn't have to be your life. He said, you can get out of here and you can do great things. And before walking out of my cell, he, he says, Mr. Humphrey, and I said, yes, sir. He says, uh, he says, I believe in you. That's awesome. And, and for me, uh, I got to tell you, no kid should be 19 before they hear those words. No doubt. However, it's better late than never. And we have to assume that the people we interact with have never heard those words. Yeah. That's so good. when he said that to me, it, it really hit home. But it wasn't an overnight thing, yeah, you yeah, see. Sure. I know you understand this. No. He had built that foundation of planting those seeds in me. So when he says, when he says, Mr. Humphrey, I believe in you, I knew that he meant it. Yeah. Because you it was just weren't empty words. Yeah. And because like you said, man, you know, you had that wall. And I'm sure he felt that. I mean, you know when somebody has a wall against you, you know what I'm saying? So, but regardless, he continued. He was consistent, like you said. It was unconditional, you know, because yeah. he could have been like, yo, this guy, he's not listening. But he was unconditional, man. He earned your trust. It's one of the things that you mentioned. And yeah. So, yeah, when when he did say that, that he believed in you, you're like, OK, I know he does because he's he's because, you know, he's shooting me at my worst. You know, I'm in solitary confinement. I'm fighting. He's trying to invest in me and I'm still, you know, being in solitary confinement. So obviously this dude really does believe in me. So that's powerful, man. Thank you so much for sharing that. So in terms of your life's mission, man, so obviously, like, you know, we talked about, well, like I said at the beginning, you know, you're a general manager of this of this company, but you're also a speaker and author. So your life's mission, what do you, what do you feel that is and how does that align to what you do on, on a daily basis? Uh, you, know, you know, when I think about uh, my life's mission and I got to tell you, Denton, because a lot of people ask, you know, how do I know what my mission is? And for a long time, I didn't know. You know, so when I think about my life's mission or I think what what we call our purpose. Yeah. You know, I, I would have to say that for me, it's really pre preventing others from buying into into the the lie that they don't deserve a, a better life. Mm -hmm. You know, for me personally, it's it's my mission is I want to be that example that no matter what you've been through, 
in your life, you have a purpose. And there's a reason why you're here or that we're here. And I, I hinted at this earlier, but I, I wasted so many years being angry and, and feeling sorry for myself about what had happened to me. But over the years, I realized that what happened to me happened for me and has made me who I am. What I understand now is, is those are things that, uh, you know, I couldn't change. Yeah. Uh, so I decided to use it. You know, I couldn't change my past, no but we can use it. For sure. And once I decided to use it, AC, I realized that that all the pain that I experienced was my purpose. Right. My purpose was to share that with someone else because I'm a believer now mm-hmm. that when we go through things and when we come out okay on the other side, it's it's our responsibility to reach back mm-hmm. and, and, and try to grab hold of other people that are going through the things that we made it through. I feel like it's our responsibility to and our purpose to try to help and pull them through that thing that they're going through because I didn't make it through it by myself. Someone helped me through it. So, so when I get up every day and when I'm speaking, it's my mission to try to touch someone's life and help them to understand that the pain that we're in right now is temporary. And, and, and we all deserve that life that we, that we envision. No doubt, man. I love that, man. It's powerful, man. And, and you know what's so beautiful, too, is that I know that your mission is not just, okay, when I get an uh, opportunity to speak, your vision, your mission's every day, man. I can tell. I can just tell by the way you, why you by the way you share that. So that's powerful, man. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I know you know, man, but it, you know, it's, it, you feel it in your heart and it's something that, you know, trying to touch lives and try to pay it try to do what somebody did to me because a lot of people see me and they know my story and they say, they know that I'm not, and this may, this might sound cliche, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you know, as a kid, my, I've, I flatlined, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, that's part of my story, but it's our responsibility, man, to, to help somebody else. There are people out there, especially right now during this pandemic, People are struggling and they're wondering, am I going to make it through this? How am I going to do it? And hearing us oftentimes gives them, it gives them that nudge. It gives them that hope that, you know what? I can do this. If I just keep pushing forward, if I keep grinding, I can make it through this. It's temporary. No doubt. No doubt. So speaking of grinding and speaking of, you know, keep pushing, tell us a little bit about maybe some challenges that you've experienced as as on your journey of being a motivational speaker, because man, there are challenges that come with it. We just talked about that. You know, people don't see the 60 hours of preparation. People don't see the, the months and months or the phone calls. Right. And you're, you're trying to get gigs and you're not getting gigs and then you get gigs. So it's, it, it can ebb and flow sometimes. Right. So tell us some of the challenges that you've experienced and what you've done to overcome it. You know, I'm going to tell you a, a few things. One, one, you know, I mentioned it earlier was, you know, when my family, they saw a video of me speaking and it was a few thousand people and they called me, I was getting phone calls and messages and they were like, is that Ian? Because Ian doesn't talk. Oh, wow. You know, I, I'm an introvert. Yeah, I don't, yeah. <laughs> I just assume not say anything. Uh, so it was first and foremost was getting over my, I had a fear of public speaking, stand in front of people, uh, but understanding that 
that your desire at some point in our lives, our desire is going to face is going to is going to face off and square off with our fear. Okay. Yeah. And unfortunately for me, my desire to help people is winning that fight. For sure. Well, the first one was my fear of public speaking. Something else that I've struggled with and had to struggle with. I mentioned earlier. I said my first mom would open that closet door and she'd look at me and she would say, "You're stupid." And you ain't going to never amount to nothing. You know, the, this burn, I don't feel the pain from this burn anymore. Mm. It's gone. If I don't look at it, I forget that it's there. But her words, I, I, I struggle with those every single day. And that's no exaggeration. Yeah. I struggle with, with self-doubt like everyone else. And I would have to say my own self-doubt has is probably the biggest hurdle that, that I face every day. But my love and my passion gets me over that. I have to have this conversation with myself. Why, why do people, why, why do you think people should listen to you? You know, you're an ex-convict. Yeah. You committed an armed robbery and, and, and all of these things pop in your head. And I have to be able to face those doubts and say, you know what, you better take a step back because I've got a mission. There you go. And you're not going to stop me. So that self-doubt is a, is, a, is it's a big hurdle. And I, the third one I would have to say is, is really balancing. How do I find balance in my life? Okay. You know, meaning how do I find balance in running a business, speaking and, and my family? No doubt. I'm blessed that I, I I'm, I'm able to run this business every single day. And I'm able to kind of pick and choose because I don't accept every speaking engagement. It has to be right for me. And I have to really feel that I'm, that I'm going to touch and, 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 and change someone's life. And so finding that balance and being able to say or not accept every single speaking engagement uh, so that I can be there for my family. For sure. You know, not have, not growing up with a, with a father in the house, I said, well, you know, if I ever get married and have kids, I said, I'm, I'm going to be there for my kids. Yeah. My father, you know, I give a talk to teachers and, and parents called never let the sun set on your promises. And it's because my father would make these promises and, and my brother and I would sit outside. He'd say, I'm coming, I'm going to come and see you guys. When I get out of prison, we would literally sit on our front porch mm -hmm and watch the sun go down and he would not show up. Yeah. I said, when I have kids, I, I want to be there for them every single day. I want to be there for them at night when they wake up in the morning. And if I'm not there, they're going to say, where is daddy at? Yeah. You know, because he's supposed to be here. Mm -hmm. So trying to find that balance and saying, I've got to touch, I've got to touch and, and reach lives. But at the same time, my, I can't, my son may be struggling in school too. Yeah. So, I've got to find that balance of managing my family and touching lives and being a difference maker outside of my, outside of my own, outside of my own house. So I'd have to say the fear of public speaking, uh, self-doubt and, and time management between family and, and work. There you go, man. That's, that's some good tips right there, man. You know, in terms of obviously we all struggle with self-doubt. There's, there's no, I don't think there's anybody you know, in the world, unless you just don't want to do anything, you know, but anybody who wants to put themselves out there and, and go after a goal, go after a dream, man, you're going to, you're going to experience those moments when you doubt yourself. So 
that's powerful. And the fear of public speaking, bro, I, I can't even tell, man, the way you're bringing it, you know? So that that's awesome. But I love the last one too, the time management, man. I This actually happened to me this past week. So I've been working on this podcast because I want to stay busy. want to be able to provide some value. Obviously, this is another outlet to, to inspire people. Like you said, man, we are, we're on a mission. So we want to inspire people with the stuff that you put out. I know that you put stuff out on Twitter, on Instagram, where you just want to, you want, and you never know what that does, right? You never know what that one picture that you put out or with that one video or that one caption, man, you never know how somebody can just come across it, you know, on their telephone and they needed to hear that. They needed to see that. So, but anyways, man working on this podcast this past week and um I, I get finished with it and then i go and ask my daughter hey have you finished your schoolwork and um she kind of looks at me you know and i can tell you know she doesn't want to tell me that she hadn't so i said what's going on and she's like well it was too hard and i said well why didn't you ask me and i can get i can get that stern voice right because i said well why didn't you ask me and she's like because you were busy and man when she said that i was like yo i said look i said I don't want you to think that I'm ever too busy for you. Yeah, there are things that, you know, obviously require us or their timelines that we have to get things done. But at that moment, man, that podcast could have waited. So I told her, hey, baby, just know that if you, you know, want to ask me, you know, for help, don't ever feel like you can't, you know, so I'm with you on that. Thank you so much for sharing that because that that helped me, man, because it's true. You know, it's it's finding this balance, right? It's not enough to try and go save a world that we lose our family, man. You know what I'm saying? So. Thanks for sharing that, brother. So it's real. So, you know, you know, our kids, you know, I know you got a younger daughter. Yeah. Uh, how old is she? She, she just turned 11. Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty good. I, all I do is see, you know, I've seen you posting pictures, but, you know, they grow up and they grow up fast and we're stuck with, you know, just memories of, and as a father, as a parent, we have to be able to say, at least for me, I, you know, I want to be able to say, you know, I, I was there. I did, I did my best. And I know that I raised my kids to make a difference. And, and I've given them something uh, that, that, that they will carry with them for the rest of their lives. Because I'm telling you, having three girls in college, mm-hmm. wow, you know, it's, uh, it, it just goes, it goes fast. I see it, man. And, and they're either going to be able to say, you know what, that's my pops, that's my yep. dad, you know, are they are they going to say that with disdain or or resentment? Mm-hmm. You're right. And like you said, we can't save the world and and neglect the people that that we wake up to and see every single day. Uh, so we got to be able to take care of everybody. Exactly. So exactly. So, what is one of your favorite memories or success stories um, from one of your motivational speaking events? Uh, you know. You know, I, I talk about, you know, I speak to companies, corporations, but my fa- one of my favorite groups to speak to are our middle school kids. <laughs> and, and it's because they're, for one, you know, they're kind of crazy. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. They, they think it, they say it, you know, they're going through this change in their life. And, and my wife says, you know, it's because, you know, the frontal lobe's not developed. <laughs> you know, that's the counselor in my, in yeah. my wife. But, you know, I was speaking at a middle school once and, you know, when I was three years old, I swallowed this medication and it put me in a coma. I found it and I, you know, I thought it was candy and I swallowed it. I ended up going into a, a, a coma. And I was speaking at middle school once and this little kid, he's in the front row, he's waving his hands. And something that I learned, I learned this pretty quick, AC, is yeah. when, if I'm speaking in middle school, I had to learn 
to wait until the end of my talk to answer questions. Okay. <laughs> because the little kids, they raise their hands, yeah. they might ask you something and it might be completely unrelated to anything you were talking oh, about. Yeah, no doubt. 100% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this kid's waving his hand and, and I ignored him at first and I he must have thought I didn't see him because now he stands up and he's waving his hand, you know, make sure that I see him. So I stop. I say, hey, you know, what's going on? Is everything okay? He says, man, I got a question. I said, okay, what's your question? And he says, Mr. H, when you swallowed that medicine and you went into a coma, he looked me right into my eyes, man. He says, man, he says, did you live? <laughs> now, now I got to tell you, of course, all of his friends are laughing at him. Yeah. You know, they're like he's standing right there, Holmes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I have to, I laugh because that's the passion and the innocence of a middle schooler. Yeah. And they're in they're still you can still kind of mold them and you can still kind of shape them. And they're still open to receive information. And even though oftentimes they fight you because they themselves have these walls built up, they still hear you. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And we're, so we're planting those seeds and we may not. We may not see the tree or the fruit that it bears, but we still have to plant those seeds. Yep. And I talk about middle schoolers because like I said, that's really where it started for me. But I was speaking at a middle school once and it was, I was, I was a volunteer. Yeah. You see, understand. I just was there. I was just having a conversation with this group of kids. The teacher, unbeknownst to me, she had them write letters and she, had, you know, she had my address. So I, in the mail, I get this big pack of letters. Yeah. And I'm sifting through the letters, you know, and, uh, you know, it's all over the place. You know, part of your message, you never know what's going to resonate yeah. with with the with your audience. But I get to this one letter and, and this kid says, he says, uh, Mr. Humphrey, he says, thank you for coming to our school. He said, and I'm. I'm paraphrasing, but he talked about, he's a young black kid. Yeah. He said, I've been teased a lot. Kids tease me because I'm dark. I'm black. And he, he went into more detail. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, he said, I was planning to take my life. And I'm reading this. And, and I know, you know, as an educator, since then, it's happened a few times. But yeah, this was sure. the very first time I got a letter like this. Mm -hmm. And he said, I was planning on taking my life. And to be honest, I didn't really know what to do. Yeah. And of course, that's when I lean on my wife because mm -hmm. she's a counselor at a middle school. So I contacted the school and I expressed to them kind of what, you know, what the kid had communicated to me. Uh, I volunteered. I said, you know what? I, I'd like to mentor this kid if he's open to it. Yeah. I like to come to the school every, you know, so often if he's okay with it. So what I ended up doing was long story short was because I experienced that growing up Yeah. Uh, because I'm a dark, I'm a dark man. Yeah. So growing up kids would, so I could relate to that because kids would tease you. Mm -hmm. So I became his mentor and, uh, you know, we developed a, a friendship mm -hmm. where, you know, I connected with his family and, you know, they would let me pick him up from on weekends and have him hang out 
with, with my son. Uh, but I would have to say for me that helping that young man who, who now, as I've learned more about kids committing suicide, he had a, he, he was working on his plan. Wow. So he was just that one step closer mm-hmm. to actually possibly doing something that he could not undo. Yeah. Uh, you know, he recently, he recently graduated from, from high school. And awesome. so, so being, you know, so that's one of my memories. It's a story that I share with people, especially speakers, because when I started speaking, I, I never told my whole story when I first started. Yeah. I wouldn't talk about sex being sexually abused. Yeah. I wouldn't talk about certain things. And it, you know, it took me doing some soul searching to realize that if I don't, if I'm not 100% transparent, mm-hmm. then then I could possibly be doing a disservice to someone who is in that audience that needs to hear that. Exactly. And so, so I was blessed that day at that point in time to be able to to tell a certain part of my story that connected with that young man and. You know, it created a lifelong uh, mentorship, friendship. So it's awesome, man. Like you were needed. You were needed that day, that day, that time in that gym or auditorium. man. you were needed that day and he needed to hear what you had to say. So that's the that's the beautiful part of of speaking, man, and speaking from the heart. Like you said, speaking 100 percent transparent. Obviously, you have you know, your audience, man, you know, you're not dealing with novices and rookies you know you know your audience you know what you can share and and you feel it too you know i think the more you do it the more you feel okay this is this is the perfect time to share this story or maybe i don't share it so but whatever it is that you said with him resonated with him and and made a huge difference so that's awesome man thanks so much for sharing that man so one of the things with this that i believe right as you know as as i speak and as i lead and you know, daily on a daily basis, man. I think we we all have eyes on us, man. You know, kind of like Pac, right? You know, Tupac, there's some, some California right there, right? You know, we all have eyes on us, man. Whether it's our kids or whether it's our students or whether it's you know your your employees, right? Who work for you, man. So daily we live this platform, right? And obviously because of social media, we have that platform, right? So daily we have this platform, we have a following. So what are three things or three pieces of advice that you want to make sure that not just your followers know, man, but just people who are listening to this podcast who are maybe maybe in that spot that kid was right. Maybe they're having some suicidal thoughts like because, again, we never know. I never know who's listening to this, but maybe somebody's listening right now. What are three things or three pieces of advice that you want to make sure that people leave with after listening to this podcast? You know, if I had to think of a, of a few things, first and foremost, I, I would have to say, because I know a lot of your listeners, maybe they have hopes, they have dreams, they have things that, that they hope or want to accomplish in their lives. And that's why oftentimes people listen to motivational, inspirational uh, podcasts or platforms. But I would have to say, one is live a life with no regrets, because we only we only get one shot at this. And I have a saying, and it's simply this, uh, regrets are the ghosts of the dreams that, that we let die. Oh. And I know for me personally, all of the things that I hope to accomplish in this life, I don't want to get to a point where I'm asking myself, what if I had written that book? Or what if I had done this? Or what if? 
I want to be able to leave it all on, leave it all on, on, on the table in the hopes that someone can benefit uh, from what, whatever it is, or so that I leave a legacy. So uh, no regrets. No regrets. Uh, the second thing I would say is, you know, so, sometimes, because I, I keep going back to this, I keep going back to where we're at right now, this pandemic, because it, this is what's happening right here, right exactly. now. But I, I like to believe that sometimes we don't understand the journey, AC, uh, until we reach the destination. Exactly. You know, when we're in the middle, when we're in the middle of our struggles, we don't know the why. Yeah. But you got to keep fighting. And eventually it will all become clear. You know, for so long, I, you know, and, and I and I know I keep saying this, but for so long I was angry. I was feeling sorry uh, for myself about my past. But it wasn't until I made it through that I understood that I that I understood the why or or the purpose of that journey. So I hope that that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Definitely, man. Definitely makes sense. And, and, you know, if I think of another one, I would say, you know, when it when it comes to, I guess, a- adversity, understand that 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 is something that that we all go through. And, you know, your struggles might be different from mine. I had a conversation with someone on a a FaceTime the other day and they were saying, well, you know, you've been through so much. They said, but my kids struggle with simply if I take their phone, they look at it like it's kind of the same thing that you went through in your life. And I said, you know, everybody's adversity is different. No doubt. I can't discount what someone else is going through because it's not because because the opinion of someone else is it's not as bad. Yeah. You know, everybody has their own uh, a mountain to climb. But I would say that when it comes to adversity, it's something that we that we all face. But we have to, I believe, learn a few things. And that's simply this. We have to learn uh, to expect it. We have to learn to embrace it. And we have to learn and be willing to fight until we learn to overcome it. All right. There we go. That's good. So those are the three things that that I would hope that someone out there hears this. Maybe not all three, uh, but maybe one of those will resonate uh, resonate with. That's good, man. Thank you so much for sharing that, man. So obviously, like you said, we're in the middle of this pandemic. We don't we don't know um, how it's going to how it's going to play out. man. It's going to be interesting. You know, obviously, and it, this is obviously not the purpose of this podcast to talk about it, but you got people with, you know, certain opinions and people without opinions. But hey, regardless of what happens, you know, I, I truly believe what you said. We're going to be OK. We got to keep fighting, you know, and we got to keep helping others, man. And one of the things that I love that you said is that it's your responsibility to help. Right. It's your responsibility to be there for others. So that just doesn't have to mean because you're on a platform, man. If you go to a grocery store, it's your responsibility to just try to be there and be a positive light. And, you know, in this dark world, man, because it can get dark sometimes, man. And you, and you know that. But where can people find you, man? You know, where can people get more information from you, get some videos from you? Just this is your time just to plug yourself, man. I just want to say thank you again for for agreeing to be on this podcast. But where can people get more information on Ian? Be inspired. <laughs> That's right. You know, you know, first, you know, thank you. I want, I want to thank you for having me. You know, I always appreciate uh, the opportunity that 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 people give me. And before I guess before I give you that information, you know, oftentimes 
to add to that, uh, to add to another question that you that you asked, is you know sometimes people hear my story or they may hear your story or you know some of your listeners, and people will say, man, you know, especially students, I say, Mr. H, you know, your story, man, your story, man, it's that's sad, Mr. H. That's sad. <laughs> they you do know? say that, don't they? <laughs> and uh, I've you heard know, that I too. Down and, I, and I stress to people, and I say, you know, uh, let me tell you what what would be sad, and I believe this is true for anybody out there. I'm gonna tell you what would be truly sad. What would be sad would be not living up to your potential. Yep. What would be sad is believing that you are who everyone else says you are instead of deciding for yourself. What would have been sad for me, AC, would have been if I had died in, in a prison cell like people believed uh, I would do. For me personally, when I look back on my life, that's a part of it. But when I look at where I'm at now, I, you know, having, having a successful family, having a, a business and a job that I believe is making a difference and, and that I enjoy. Uh, know and trust and believe, I still feel a lot of pain and the, the things that I went through, it never goes away. Yeah. Uh, how, however, you can use that to propel you to, to a greater life. So I never allow, one, I, I no longer feel so, sorry for myself, but not only that, I refuse to let anyone feel sorry for me. And no matter what you go through in your life, don't let anyone feel sorry for you because I, I don't know very many people that have achieved or accomplished a great life while allowing people to feel sorry for yourself, for themselves or for you. Because when people feel sorry for us, if we allow them to, it's very easy, AC, for us to start feeling sorry for ourselves. Yep. So we have to find that silver lining. No doubt. But if people want to find me or if they want to know more about me, uh, you know, they can go to ianhumphreyspeaks.com and that will take them to my to my main website. I'm on pretty much all of the main platforms, even though I, some of them I don't know how to use <laughs> very, very well. You know, Twitter, Inst Instagram, uh, I'm on Instagram. You can find me on most platforms under Be Inspired. And my name is Ian. It's I-A-N. And for years, I struggled as a kid. People would tease me because of my name. Oh, really? They call me in and out Burger. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they call me all these crazy names. And yeah. understand, growing up in South Central L.A., uh, being completely candid, Ian was not a black name. Yeah, yeah. It was a name for white kids. Okay. So growing up, I always wanted, I said, why my mom couldn't name me Tyrone or Jerome or Jamal, <laughs> you know, I <laughs> could not get a name, you know, like that. And again, sometimes we don't understand the journey until we get to the destination. But I believe I said earlier, my mom died when I was 11, but I believe that my mom knew that one day I would inspire people. There you go, brother. Ooh, I love that. I was just thinking that too. I was oh. just thinking exactly what you said that we never know till we get to the end. And here we go. He inspired. That's awesome, man. Right. <laughs> so I feel like maybe mama knew. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mama knew. Mama knew. So when you go, if you want to find me under that name, be inspired, it's B E I A N S P I R E D be inspired. Awesome. Very good. Hey man, well, you've inspired me and I'm sure, you know, your talk's going to inspire people who are listening right now. So thank you so much, man, from the bottom of my heart. I really appreciate you. 
God bless you. God bless your, your girls, your wife and your son, man. And I wish you nothing but success, man. All right. We'll have to do it again. And like I told you, man, I, I think I, I emailed this to you. We're going to we're going to do an event one day. We're going to speak that into existence. So me, you and I, we're going to do an event one day, man. So thank you so much, Ian. I appreciate you, brother. Count me in. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Blessings to you and your family and you guys stay safe. All right, brother. Thank you. That about wraps up another episode of Mission Driven with AC Cristalis. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. I know I did. I'm so thankful that Ian decided to share a bit of his story with us that I know, I know will just empower you and motivate you wherever you may find yourself on your journey. Again, you know, we may be living through some tough times right now, but uh, we can make it. You know, we just have to keep keep fighting. We have to stay strong and know that, you know what, the storm will pass and that we are going to make it. So, guys, thanks again for listening. Thank you so much for your support. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. Also, if you want, go ahead and rate and review it as well. Also, if you're listening on Spotify, make sure you hit that follow button as well. Again, I'm so thankful for your support. I'm so thankful that you're tuning in and I wish you nothing but the best this week. Remember, the mission, your mission is now. So remain mission driven. And until next time, faith, hope, love.